Right now on Lone Star Politics, a former Dallas mayor challenges a longtime Dallas City Council member. This morning, both candidates in the high-profile District 13 race join us in studio. Congressman Van Taylor is here to talk Washington, Decision 2020, and the Mueller report. Dallas County is part of a proud red state. And the leader of the Dallas County GOP suddenly lost. This morning, we remember Missy Shorey. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Gromer, always great to be with you. Good to see you, Julie. And we have a packed show today. This morning, we're taking a closer look at the high-profile Dallas City Council District 13 race. The district stretches across the city's north side. Incumbent Jennifer Staubach-Gates facing challenger Laura Miller. Both women are with us this morning. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. I am going to start with you. You are the incumbent. Why should you be reelected? I've been reelected. I'm asking to be reelected because I have a track record of great leadership for District 13 as well as the city of Dallas the last six years. I protected neighborhoods. I made sure our priorities have been public safety, infrastructure, and making sure the quality of life has been improved for our district residents. And why should you get this job? You know, I hope that the voters of District 13 understand that there's a lot at stake here. Um, we are going to look our part of town will look a lot different in a few years if the kinds of developments that Councilwoman Gates has been pushing are allowed to be built. Um, we'll have seven high-rises in Preston Center and, and we'll have tract homes on Webb Chapel Lane. We'll have a commercial development where there was supposed to be a Forest Lane library. And so it's just, there's just a lot of change that's going to come unless we make a change in leadership. Well, let, let's talk about what got you into the race to Preston Center. Uh, both of you guys, both candidates agree that uh, the center as it, as, it, as it exists needs to be improved. But uh, it seems to be a big uh, debate between vision versus reality. And Laura, what can you promise voters that you will do with that center that can be done? I mean, well, it's an uh, easy answer because actually we will implement the vision that is an official city document at City Hall. Two years ago, the City Council unanimously approved an area plan, a vision for the entire Preston Center area that includes six neighborhoods around the core. And after it was approved, we were all so excited. We were thrilled. We had a park in, in the middle of Preston Center that was kind of our catalyst. We had residential neighborhoods remaining pretty much the same, and any development being re restrained to the center core of, of the area. But unfortunately, eight weeks after the city council approved it, there was a fire in the neighborhood. And the developers came in and said to the councilwoman, this plan doesn't work. It's not dense enough. And you so know, she threw the plan out. Okay, I'm going to cut you off there to give you a chance to respond to that. Those are Ms. Miller's words. Those are not my words. No plan was thrown out the window. We're still working with that plan to develop the vision for Preston Center. Uh, the park over the garage is a fabulous vision, but it was very clear early on that the stakeholders that control that garage are not supportive of that. So we're going to have to continue to work together to make that redevelopment of the garage site happen. As regards to the site um, behind the pink wall, or PD15 as it is known in the zoning world, uh, we did. There was a fire. And we've got to work to be able to redevelop that site in a quality redevelopment. 
Ms. Miller decided immediately the best was just to be an obstructionist and convince the fellow owners in that building, Ms. Ms. Miller and her husband, Mr. Uh, Steve Wollens, own in that, in that Athena, one of the towers. She convinced the tower residents that we can be an obstructionist and we can prevent anything but what's currently allowed and it's not allowed a process. Ms. So Miller. we're working through a process. What's sad is that 82% of the people that live in the area that she is determined to rezone that would allow 24-story towers where there was a three-story tower that burned, 82% of them totally oppose what's going on. 80% of the people who live near St. Michael's Church on Douglas Avenue that now wants to go into the commercial real estate business and build an office tower and an apartment tower on their playground, they oppose if, this. If the stakeholders don't want to park, then what do you do? The stakeholders were on our task force that approved the area plan, and they said in public meetings, we will, we will do the park. We support this vision, but we know the city will never come through with the money, and that's why we have to have a plan B. And the city didn't come through with the money. We're going to let you respond to that, and then we're going to move on. We put, the city has put 20, well, $10 million of bond money and had matching of COG money, another $10 million, to be able to establish that redevelopment of the, of the garage. We've got to work with the stakeholders. They don't support it. They've never supported it. But, but they were forced to, to I think, get a, at a to come to an agreement to move forward to actually then be able to work in a productive manner. The city with the numbers that she's throwing out are her, her numbers. They're not the numbers that a representative that went to the CPC and the towers have been told they can oppose it, the process, and get no redevelopment. And, and they're following her lead, the towers. The rest of the community has stepped up and said, look, we need a process and we need to make sure we have quality redevelopment. All the homeowners are following my lead because they're under siege by developers in the district and that's true. the problem. It's We're going to move true. forward here. I want to talk about crime. It's a central theme in this campaign. Ms. Miller, Ms. Gates has said residents can attribute a police shortage to your time as mayor. Do you want to respond to that? You know, we had a halcyon day when I was mayor because David Kunkel was our chief, and I take no credit for that because Ted Benavides, the city manager, hired him. Morale was great. We had good officers. Crime was going down. Um, everything was great when, when, when our city council was there, and money was flush because it was before the 2008 crisis. So I understand that the police unions are disappointed because instead of a 17% raise in one year, our city council gave them a 15% raise over three years. They say I stole their money from them for, for doing that, but we gave them a good raise. And we have to support our police department. Half of our general fund budget, though, is police and fire compensation. So there's a balance between other needs and police and fire salaries. It's actually 60% of our budget is, uh, is going to public safety. And we've got to prioritize public safety because we have seen crime is going up and we have, we're down officers. We're down 600 officers from when I started in 2013. 3,000 officers. It's directly related to the pension crisis. Under Ms. Miller's time at the pension crisis, 93% of the time, those seats did not have representation. The city, you will hear her say, she was worried about the ERF, which is the civilian pension fund. She should have been worried about the police fire pension as well. They were reporting 33% returns when other pension systems the same size had 20% re returns. Our rate of returns were wrong then. Nobody had their eye on the ball. And it led, in addition to a 2005 plan amendment that actually changed the ability for them to do what's called a lump sum withdrawal. Those two contributing factors, out of control investments, rate of returns that were falsely being reported, and those amendments led to the crisis and led to lo us losing 500 officers. I had to go down to Austin 
and talk those legislators and negotiate a fix in 2017 with my fellow colleagues and the mayor. The first, the first risky real estate investment that was ever done by the pension board was done in 1982 when I was just out of college. And after that, the second worst thing that happened with the pension fund is that they created the DROP program, which is a very sweet pension program for police and fire. That was done when I was a columnist at the Dallas Observer. Tying it to 9% interest rates for eternity was also done when I was a columnist at the Observer. So I understand that Ms. Gates wants to have an entire campaign based on trying to throw mud at me for a pension problem that started 40 years ago. But I think we should focus on what's going to happen in District 13 going forward. The pension board never was controlled by council members. It was always outnumbered by police and fire union okay. members. Well, we let, let's move to code enforcement. Uh, uh, Ms. Miller has, has criticized how the district looks right now with roads, uh, code enforcement, all of that. How do you respond to that, Ms. Gates, and what's your your, what's your plan to improve? I think Ms. Miller's woken up knocking on doors and recognizing some of the same issues that I've been working on for the last six years. We need to work better on code enforcement. We need our community prosecutors um, working harder and connecting them with re the resources that they need to be able to prosecute these cases. And we've done that. We've actually now have brought the federal government in um, on areas in the west side of my district as well as the east side of my district. The east side of my district, a great example, Project Safe Neighborhood, that we're trying to address the criminal high crime area of, of Vickery Meadow. And we all, but we've got to, we've got to have better code enforcement. Is it um, fair to, to hold you accountable since you're the incumbent and you've, you've been on a council for some no, years now? No, these are issues that have existed for years and years and years, back to Ms. Miller's time, um, okay. in, in related to streets. I mean, she was a pothole mayor, and yet we had 25% of a 2006 bond program towards streets, and in this bond program we had 50%. What about that? And I, the, I was uh, a pothole mayor, and I'm going to be the pothole councilwoman because I will tell you, from walking 2,000 doors, the streets are awful. The alleys are worse. Building, zoning, and code enforcement regulations are not being enforced. There are huge, huge drainage problems with spec homes all over the city. There are lots of abandoned houses that are being ignored. And streets that are being redone twice in two years, um, why are they being done when they didn't need it, when there are streets that haven't been done for okay. 40 and 50 years? Let, let's, let's, in a, in a remaining time, talk about traffic congestion. Okay. Council? Member Gates, what would you do to relieve traffic congestion? In your district, I know that's a there's problem. No, there's no magic wand that's going to make traffic better. We have a thousand people moving into the area every single day in DFW. They're not all moving into my district, but they're taking jobs throughout the region and they're moving through our neighborhoods, like it or not, development happening or not, they're moving through the neighborhoods. So we are t looking at, you have to take each little area and look at what improvements can be made in that in those intersections or to that community, that neighborhood. At Preston Center, we're looking at a Texas U-turn at Northwest Highway and the Tollway. We're looking at making um, other improvements. Um, traffic, at, is there, could we add exits or entrance on the Tollway itself? So we are also looking at improvements on Douglas Lane. We're doing a traffic study before any zoning case is approved behind the pink wall. So we're gonna look at traffic, current traffic conditions and then look at specifics um, and, specific changes that can be made. So there is a, magic, there is a magic wand. It's called a change in leadership. 
And our area plan had a huge number of traffic improvements that we recommended with the support of Michael Morris, who controls all the federal transportation money coming into this area. He wanted to implement these improvements because he wants to make our area a model for work, play, and live going forward into the 21st century so we can absorb 3 million people over the next 25 years. None of those traffic improvements have been pursued by That's Councilwoman false. Gates. And that is the problem. Instead of any traffic improvements, we have more development, more development, more development. We'll give you a chance to respond to that quickly. Thank you. Um, that's absolutely false. The recommendations that came out of the plan are all being studied, and, and if they have the funding, we're going to implement them. And that's the ones I've just talked about. The Texas U-turn, interest and exit on, on Walnut Hill. I don't know if diverting traffic from Northwest Highway to Walnut Hill is actually, you know, what the Walnut Hill neighbors want. So we got to continue to be work together. Um, and Michael Morris and I have partnered. He's partnering with me. I'm the current council member. I'll give you the last word. When it comes to getting money, I have gotten a lot of money as mayor of Dallas, and I will get a lot of money for District 13. I want to thank you both for being here well, with us today. Well, 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 I'm going to just finish up by saying, I, 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 it's all I've heard. And I just want to remind the, the, the listeners or viewers out there today that, that the Dallas Morning News says residents should be concerned of what they're being told and promised by my opponent. Well, we, again, we so, want to thank you both for being here today. It was nice of you to both join us. And still ahead, freshman Congressman Van Taylor of Plano joins the discussion as we look ahead to 2020. And as we head to break, reminder that early voting continues through this Tuesday and Election Day, Saturday, March 4th. Log on to DallasNews.com to check out their complete voter guide. Joining us now, Congressman Van Taylor of Plano. Thanks so much for being here this oh, morning. Great to be with you this morning. You've been home for a couple of weeks now. Tell yeah, me what you've been doing absolutely. doing with your constituents. Sure. Well, you know, I'm continuing my 100% meeting policy. We're up over 150 individual meetings with constituents. I had my uh, my uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th Coffee with Your Congressman event around the district. So that's a come one, come all uh, forum where people get to come meet with me one-on-one -on -one again. And so uh, meeting with constituents, signing letters. I think I've signed up to over 7,000 letters, uh, you know, helping constituents with problems with uh, passports. Recently got to extend, you know, giving access to people in Collin County with passports. And so working hard, helping the people, listening to what they have to say. And it's been, it's been great to be home. Um, I assume you've read the Mueller report, have you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, any concerns about uh, the president and how he was portrayed in, a, in that report? Well, I think, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, you know, over the last two weeks, I've talked to hundreds of constituents. That has not come up one time. This is the first time it's come up uh, in my, in my uh, Easter recess, my two-week Easter recess. Uh, you know, the people of Collin County, what they're concerned about is immigration, health care, why Congress is dysfunctional. But what do you think? I mean, you read sure. it. I mean, what, what? Well, look at the at the end of the day, you know, the 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 um, what the president uh, did not collude. There was no collusion. Uh, I think it was an embarrassing moment for a lot of Democrats who claim out who came out and claimed that they had you know reliable sources that they knew they had facts that the, the Democrat the the, the, Repub uh, the president had colluded with the Russians. It just it wasn't true. Um, and again, I think people are ready to move forward. As I go across my district, this issue doesn't come up. Speaking of moving forward, sure. 2020, okay. um, you yeah. know, you're feeling going in. There's a lot of Democrats or sure. a lot of Democrats on the ticket. But, you know, on in Texas here, do you sure. expect it to be easy? 
Well, look, I, I take nothing for granted. I'm uh, working hard, but my number one job is to represent the people of the third district, and that's why I'm running around, you know, having coffees with their congressmen, having constituent meetings, doing tours of companies. Uh, I'm going to be talking, you know, talking to middle schools. I mean, I, I'm running around working hard, working with my district, talking to my voters, and listening to them. And my, what I've found in life is, if you work hard for people, if you listen to them, uh, they'll reward you at the polls. What do you make of the uh, the politics in Collin County? Uh, sure. Last year. Two guys you know well, sure. uh, uh, Shaheen and Leach, almost yeah. lost. Uh, uh, Angela Paxson had a mm -hmm. tougher time than expected in her state senate race. Mm -hmm. Is the county changing, and what do Republicans need to do to stop that? Well, I, th I think that you know Collin County is an incredibly successful county. Uh, when I go around to Congress and I tell other congressmen about how successful, how diverse. Um, and uh, my district is, I say, you know, I wish that the rest of America could eventually be what Collin County is. And they, they agree with me. They'd like to see their districts be like that. And I think that we've got to go and tell voters how successful we've been as a county. We've been an incredibly successful county in terms of job creation, in terms of safe streets, safe schools, uh, uh, very good school system. But do you feel a threat from Democrats in Collin well, County? I, again, I take I take nothing for granted. I'm working hard, and but again, what I found over and over again in my experience in elected life is that if you work hard and you represent the people and you listen to them, they'll reward you at the ballot box. So you're heading back to Washington this week. What yep. do you think should be the number one priority of Congress right now? You know, I, I will say that what, what, what I hear over and over again from my voters is Washington is dysfunctional. They're really disappointed with the lack of functionality in Washington. What, what, something I've been really shocked by is, you know, in my first 100 days in Congress, I did not see a single major bill that left the House of Representatives that was actually intended to be law. Uh, I've had to learn a new term, messaging bill, uh, a bill that's intended to send a message but not actually change the law. You know, in the state legislature, you only count what actually is signed into law by the governor. You know, I passed 81 bills, everyone had bipartisan support. Uh, and I think that we need to, as a country, come together, start having real conversations and working on real issues. And issues like immigration, issues like health care, uh, those are issues that come up over and over and over again across my district. And I think people want to see those addressed in Washington. Any message to your former colleagues in the state legislature? One more, uh, one month left. It's sure. crunch time, and well, you know about well, that, Well, you know, right? Texas has a very, is very fortunate to have a very functional legislative process. Uh, they've passed every budget on time since 1963. Last week, uh, the U.S. Congress failed to pass a budget for the 17th time in a row on time. I mean, Congress has a very hard time uh, doing the most basic functions of government that Austin seems to get right every time. Congressman Taylor, thanks so much for Thank being you. here. Great we'll be, be right back with more Lone Star Politics. And this morning, we want to extend our condolences to the family of Missy Shorey, the first woman elected to lead the Dallas County Republican Party. She appeared on our show in January of 2018. Shorey died suddenly this week. She was just 47 years old. Family tells us a service will be held at a later date in Dallas. So that one, yeah, really, really shocking, yeah. really sad. And you know, she she came from a public relations background, and so the Republicans were excited about her being the face of, of the local party. And you know, she was doing a good job under the circumstances. You know, the county's changing. But she was, she's a fighter. She got in there and, and did her thing in trying to move the, the party forward. And no matter the topic, she was always there to answer exactly. the question. Exactly. She'd always pick up the phone, answer yeah. the questions, come on this show, as you pointed out. So, yeah. you know, it's, really, it's a really shocking thing, and we'll see how the party moves forward.
And that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. See you next Sunday.